We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Mile high hello, everybody in Broncos country. Welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I am your host, Lance Sanderson, and joining me as per usual is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddle's senior NFL draft analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. Now, before I pass this off to Eric, guys, I do have to apologize. Like I said, I I got a pissed off two-year-old right now, but we are experiencing rolling thunderstorms all day today and they're going to roll in until about 8 p.m mountain time so if you guys hear some loud thunder and some not so kind language coming out of my feed i do apologize for that but i can't control the weather damn it jackie um with that eric how we doing man i'm doing good Uh, i'm excited to be on tonight i mean i was looking forward to it all day i think we have a fun topic to get into talking about mike clay's stat projections which are something that every year interests me and uh yeah i'm just excited to be here i'm not going to talk about how tired i am like i do every other week though yeah you're always tired and and i feel you dude you you work your ass off and you do a lot of a lot of quality work here at mile high huddle speaking of work we've got coming up uh eric has a article right now make sure you guys go and check that out projecting uh the possibility of all of the defensive linemen to hit the to make the final roster um i had an article go up today talking about what our topic last week in terms of projecting riley moss's role on this broncos defense so guys if you get some uh get some time after the show make sure you guys go and check those out at milehighhuddle.com it's gonna be a, a, a gas tonight man because like you said these mike clay projections they always stir up you know big time storylines it's a, it's a lot of good content to kind of dig your teeth into and chew through the national media's perspective of this broncos team and pretty much every other team in the nfl i mean every every team is going to be breaking these down kind of going through it you know they're going to piss off some people a lot of people are going to get very excited about it and it's always a lot of fun to have these conversations this week guys we're going to be doing the offensive side of the football next week we're going to dive into the defensive side of the football and just kind of have some fun chopping it up this is the season of the lists where analysis is kind of these Mount Rushmore topics, these, you know, the projections and stuff like that. So we're going to break down a, a few of these for everybody and just kind of have some fun with it. First things first, so we got Stu McPeak, Zeus jumping down from Mount Olympus once again. Stu, it's so good to see your name back in the chat, man. 
one of the biggest mile high huddles, uh, super chat superstars, definitely on the Mount Rushmore, dropping off the top rope, saying hi all, hello, Stu, and thank you for joining us, man. Stu, as as Dylan Von Arks in the chat says, Stu, what's up, man? Thank you so much for joining us. Got to say hello to, to Jason McKeever. Uh, first time watching one of these live. So, Jason, thank you for joining in with us. Hopefully you enjoy us, and, and hopefully we can – you know, give us some more content, give us some more comments and stuff like that. We'd love to have you in the conversation and everything like that. Uh, it's great to see you here for the first time. Uh, Daniel Barry sports highlights coming in here as well. Dylan Von Arch running the chat behind the scenes as well. We do have Scott with us tonight. So everybody give a big shout out to uh, Scott Kennedy, um, Mike S, Kevin Gray. What's going on, everybody? Thank you all for joining us here on a wonderful Friday night for Dove Valley Deep Divers. Now, Eric, I want to jump right into this thing. And Zach Kelberman actually had an article up on milehighhuddle.com kind of breaking this whole thing down. Uh, Mike Clay has some very interesting projections for Russell Wilson coming off of last season, which was, I don't think it's arguably, it's most definitely the worst season that Russell Wilson has had in the NFL to date coming out of his rookie season. And it's very interesting to see what Mike Clay has projected for him, saying that he's going to go uh, complete 328 out of 519 attempts for 63.1% of a completion percentage, 3,875 total yards, uh, 24 total passing touchdowns, 11 interceptions, uh, and also adding on 322 yards and three touchdowns on 63 rushing attempts. This seems to me like a potential bounce back season, a season where Russell Wilson kind of gets that stigma off of him of a, a guy that is too much in control and getting back to the way that the Broncos, uh, that Russell Wilson has typically played going out through throughout his career, pretty much an average Russell Wilson season. What do you think, man? Yeah, I mean, the, the stat projections, they're kind of in line with what I was saying. We had this question a couple weeks ago. I can't remember if you were with me or not asked about his stats and i said probably about 38 to 400 to 4k yards to about 24 25 touchdowns to i think it was 12 to 15 interceptions and mike clay has him at 11 um this is kind of what i'm expecting out of him it's about middle of the pack for his career in terms of completions the completion percentage is a little bit lower because it's one of the higher years in terms of attempts and then the touchdown to interception ratio is pretty in line with what he's done for most of his career so it's just kind of saying that Russell Wilson is going to kind of get back to the Russell Wilson we've seen in previous seasons during his time in uh, Seattle, which makes sense because it's going to be a run-heavy offense. It's not going to be like those years where the Seattle Seahawks offense really went through him. So mm -hmm. it's going to dial it back a little bit, still you know, spread the ball around, be a run-heavy team. And uh, I mean, yeah, it's just, just in line with what I'm expecting of expecting out of Russell Wilson this season. Yeah, and something that I'd seen going around on, on Twitter earlier today was, uh, first things first, we got to grab Michael jumping in here on Facebook, throwing some stars around, as he always does. And thank you, Michael, again for your support. As always, one of the best supporters of this show and all of the Mile High Huddle community. Uh, Michael says, good evening, Lance, Eric on the Valley Deep Divers. Go Broncos and buck them. Thank you, Michael, for that. We appreciate you, buddy. Um, one of the things I saw bouncing around on Twitter earlier today was it was based off of this, this projection, 24 touchdowns. Is that something that you will take or is that something that you don't necessarily like that's not acceptable for Russell Wilson? I believe his DNVR down in Denver was doing, doing this poll. And to me, I think that I take that number because 
first things first, let's go back to 2014 was the last time we saw a quarterback in Denver throw for 20 plus touchdowns in a season. Like this is the most prolific season. If, if based on this projection, it would be the most prolific quarterback throwing touchdowns in the last almost 10 years. It's been a long time since we've seen quality quarterback play like that. And if you go back to last season, if Russell Wilson throws 24 touchdowns, that adds on what I think five points per game essentially. And if the Broncos score more than 18 points per game, they go 11 and six. Like it, it's, it, this is something Eric, I, I got to bring it to you. 24 touchdowns. Is this an acceptable answer from Russell Wilson this season? Um, The touchdowns I'm fine with. And it's hard to say because it also depends so much on what you're doing with the running game. Mm-hmm. But overall, this kind of season, it's not what you're paying. You're not going to commit all the money to what Russell Wilson uh, based off a season like this. He has to do better, in my opinion. Mike Clay, his projection has him as the 12th best quarterback this year. That's that's good. It's just you're paying him to be a for sure top 10 guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And with how his contract is set up, if you don't part ways with him this year, you're committing to him through 2025. So it's just a weird contract structure at this point with what we got out of him last year, what he is this year. It's good. It's going to be hard to say um, one way or the other, but with what you're paying him is you got to get, you got to get more out of him than that. Like it just just comes down to that plain and simple. Well, and something that I've always kind of thrown around, especially over the last couple of seasons, knowing the Broncos defense and the, the way that they are a defensive minded football team, they want to slow the game down and just get efficient offensive play. The, the one player that I'm going to bring up and I've done it multiple different times on Dove Valley deep divers is Derek Carr. And Derek Carr is like, this is the average Derek Carr season, somewhere around 4,000 yards, about 24 to 26 touchdowns, right around 10 or 11, maybe 12 interceptions. This to me seems like at least an acceptable answer. But like you said, this is not acceptable from a player that's making close to $50 million moving forward. Like this is a guy that is going to be a top five paid quarterback in the NFL. And you're getting Derek Carr type of statistics, not to, you know, slander my guy here or anything. Derek Carr's making what 35, 36, 38 million, something like that. And that's the expectation of a quarterback of that particular level is, you know, 3,800 yards, 24 to 25 touchdowns, 10, 11 interceptions. The thing that I'm curious to, to see like moving forward is what is the efficiency of this? And as Jason McKeever jumps in here, he says, as long as he's leading touchdown drives, I don't care who scores them. And I, while I agree with that, it's definitely not the the right answer here, Eric. You know, you, you need well, your quarterback to be the guy and, and really drive the football into the end zone. And today's a passing game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I don't fully agree. I don't fully agree with that because, I mean, it's going back to what I was saying. is like, it's not just the 24 touchdowns. It's the whole stats overall. Like if he's has twenty four touch if he has twenty four touchdowns but manages to throw for forty two hundred plus yards, then I'd be a little bit more like willing to pay him that because it really doesn't matter who is scoring the touchdowns as long as you are having scoring drives and winning games. Mm-hmm. So all of that goes into it with, with Russell Wilson, and you're not he's going to be current he currently is the fourth highest paid quarterback on an average per year basis, and you don't want the production of the 12th guy in the NFL for that kind of cost. So it just comes down to, comes down to a little bit of everything. If he's, if you go 12 and 12 and five and he's gets 11, he gets 24 touchdowns. Then it maybe I'll be a little bit more okay with it, with those, that those few touchdowns, but it also depends again on the yards. What's the running backs doing? Do each of the running backs have over 1000 yards or what's the situation there? There's too much into it with it to just say the touchdowns aren't enough, even though I get where you're coming from. It is a passing league and you do want your quarterback leading, um, leading those drives. I mean, some of Russell Wilson's best year have been um, games where he, I mean, one of his best years, he only threw 20 touchdowns, but he led the team to so many more again, 26 touchdowns, 20, like 20, uh, 25 touchdowns. Those have been some of his better years statistically, I mean, there are some great, great seasons he's had where he's thrown thirty plus, as well. But it just so much goes around it. Like looking at twenty fourteen Russell Wilson, he threw only threw for thirty four hundred yards, twenty touchdowns, only seven interceptions. But he he also want, led them to winning, going twelve and four. Mm-hmm. So it's just all of that going into it, and it just. It's a tough it's a tough prediction, really, because of how his contract is and all that goes into it. So, yeah, yeah, it's so, just it's a little bit of everything. So what about the, the rushing statistics here? And Eric, you and I have kind of gone back and forth on this. I want to see Russell Wilson carrying the football on designed runs, you know, three, four, five times per game. And based on Mike Clay's projection here, they, he has him at 63 rushing attempts over 16 games. It's it's right around three three times he's actually carrying the football. And that doesn't include scrambles or anything. I'm, I'm talking like designed running plays. Uh, 63 attempts, 322 yards, and three touchdowns. Is that something that we could potentially see out of Russell Wilson this season? Or is that uh, not quite enough? Because I think that it needs to be just a little bit more. Well, I mean, the 63 attempts, those are, that's counting scrambles and everything. And I think that's mm-hmm. a fine number. Mm-hmm. Um, with what you get out of quarterbacks, I mean, he's not a, I don't want to say he's not a running quarterback, even though he's not, 
He's also not a pocket quarterback. He's a he's a dual threat quarterback. Mm-hmm. So you kind of sixty three rushing attempts out of him, including scrambles. I'm fine with that number. I don't want him getting three to five pure rushing attempts designed no, run. No, like I'm fine. I'm fine with what about the three that this is for a quarterback. Um, so it, it, it's it's a fine number for me. Um, three touchdowns. I mean, if you add that over to the twenty four that he gets passing, I mean that's twenty seven touchdowns. It, that makes it a little bit easier to live with what you're paying him, but. It's still just the twelfth over. You still want more out of him, um, so yeah. I mean, I'm fine with it. I wouldn't be surprised if the if we see him take sixty to seventy five rushing attempts this mm-hmm. season, counting scrambles, just because of how the game, how the offense is being built to open up things for him by running the ball so much to where if it's not there, then he can use his legs to pick up something. Yeah, and, and exactly. This is a great segue. Like you said, this team wants to run the football. It's another great segue to getting into the wide receiver and tight ends comments here, but this, this offense is going to want to run the football. That's what Sean Payton has openly said. We're going to establish a run play to our players strengths and just kind of grind this game out, slow everything down, take a little bit off of Russell Wilson's plate and spread the football around and getting to these running backs, the, the leading carrier, according to Mike Clay this season, and this also does have to do with the Javante Williams injury. We'll get to that here in a second, but according to Mike, Clay, his projections are that uh, Samaj P. Ryan's going to rush the ball 177 times for 748 yards and five touchdowns, which I believe would be a career high for Samaj P. Ryan in terms not only of total attempts, yards, but also touchdowns. This is going to be a big year for Samaj P. Ryan. Is that in the realm of possibility, or is there another chance where maybe Javante Williams doesn't, you know? get back to full action. The Broncos bring in another guy like a Leonard Fournette, a, a, um, Dalvin Cook, maybe Kareem Hunt. Is is that asking too much of a guy that's never had over 100 total touches more than twice in his entire career? I mean, it is a big ask, and it is possible. It a lot just depends on Javante Williams' health, and it depends on what they do with that second running back or that third, second, third running back spot, whatever you want to call it. Because it's well known, they're looking. They are trying to find another running back to bring in somebody with experience to help be part of the stable while Javante Williams is out, because he's not expected to be ready by the by the start of the season, but just mm-hmm. a little bit earlier in the season than the early thought was. It's a, it's a fine it's a fine prediction for for P Ryan. I mean, their career highs across the board, um, beating out his first his rookie season with the with the Washington Football Team or the Washington Commanders, whatever you want to call them. Um, it's a fine prediction. It's going to be interesting to see that because he's a guy who really hasn't ever been the bell cow back and he's going to have to be the bell cow back for a little bit until they get that second guy in there or get Javante Williams back, whatever the plan is. Mm -hmm. So it's possible, but there's just so much, so many questions about the running back position right now to really say that, yeah, I think that's what he'll get or no, I don't. Um, just, yeah, because when will Javante Williams be back? Will they go land Delvin Cook? And I think that quickly on that, I think the longer Delvin Cook is out there, the better it is for Denver. Not saying that they'll land him, but I do land him, but I do think that it increases their chances a little bit the longer he's out there. Um, so there's just, there's just a lot going into it. Um, it'd be great to see Piran have this kind of season. Um, I will say that, and especially adding in what he does as a receiver, um, It'd be great to see that kind of season. Is it ideal? 
not really um but it, it works yeah, and, and Mike Clay also has uh, Samaje Pirine catching the ball 33 times for 249, excuse me, 249 yards and adding on another touchdown to his total. So we're talking over 200 touches, which is, again, more than double the amount of touches he's ever seen in his entire career. So th- this projection seems a little bit heavy handed to me as of right now. And it also doesn't give into the the factor of Javante Williams, maybe the Broncos doing and go out and get Dalvin Cook. And I agree with you, Eric. I do want to kind of piggyback off of that statement. Um, the longer that Dalvin Cook, the longer that uh, Kareem Hunt, the longer that Leonard Fournette is out there on the market, the the more that that drives down their value on the open market. You're, you're well, talking these guys are going to be potentially like they all want eight, nine million dollars to come in and, and have a role on an offense. But more or less what's what's happening is their value is being driven down by them not being signed at this particular point. And it'll, it'll all be kind of hashed out here a little bit when the franchise tag guys, Saquon Barkey and uh, uh, Josh Jacobs sign their contracts. But the longer that those guys sit out there, the cheaper they're going to get. Well, one thing is you just keep mentioning Leonard Fournette and I want to throw up every single time you do. Uh, He's just, He's not good. I mean, he's definitely declining, and he it doesn't fit anything that the Broncos need at running back. So every time you mention Leonard Fournette, it just makes me well, want to throw up. So Gary Palmer yeah. comes in with a ten dollars donation. Said, "Hi, Lance, Eric, Scott, and Dylan. Just happy to be here listening to you all." DBFL Buckham, thank you, Gary, for joining us. We appreciate you, and I mean, we enjoy seeing you every single week. And glad you can join us. Um, but going back to that, I do agree that um, you know when we get the franchise tag guys. Once we get them sorted out, then we'll get more clarity on the um, on the cost of it. And that could be part of why Dalvin Cook is waiting a little bit as well, seeing what's going to happen with Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs, because depending on what they get could dictate what he's going off, uh, what he's going off um, as well. And then there's one comment here that I wanted to grab about 44 yards in a game. 750 is 44 yards a game. I'm hoping for more than that. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. Like you hope yeah. for more, um, but it's it's fine like not ideal as i was saying and honestly there was only with the numbers that he's projected there was about 30 running backs last year who had more than that and with the broncos and how split they're going to be with their carries like it's part of why i'm even more fine with that and then what they're paying them um they're not paying him to be a guy to average 75 60 yards a game um and it's not super easy to average that um in the first place so like again, not ideal, but I'm fine with it. And this is where the conversation gets tricky. And GLP, thank you for the donation, man. I didn't get a chance to jump in there and say thank you. So Gary, thank you for that. We we definitely appreciate you and thank you for joining us. Um, uh, back to the the P Ryan conversation here, and back to Mike Clay and his projections. He has Javante Williams with which this number to me is surprising. I'm I'm just going to throw this out there as a very surprising number, unless. Javante Williams has a, a big resurgence towards the end of the season. Um, Mike Clay has him with 142 total attempts on the ground uh, for 614 yards, five touchdowns as well, and also catching 29 yard, uh, t- 29 passes out of the backfield for 213 yards and another touchdown here. And Eric, you and I have both been very skeptical uh, about the impact of Javante Williams this season, especially early on. That tells me that – either one Mike Clay isn't necessarily 
privy to all the information or maybe he's got better information than we do or he's not paying attention to the actual situation regarding Javante Williams right now. Um, the second thing that tells me is he's either seeing Javante Williams be like a 25 carry a player, uh, a 25 carry a game player down the stretch just to get to that kind of a number. That's a lot for Javante Williams, man. And it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me to see him have that kind of stat line on his projections. What do you think of Javante Williams coming into the season? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. So it, it all comes down to how many games he's going to miss, obviously. Um, but I mean, with what he's at, with what his projection is, that's four point four point three yards per carry, which mm-hmm. is fine. And then you look at some other guys last year who you know missed some time and didn't ha- and didn't have that many uh, didn't have the and had similar carries and similar yards. I mean, not all these guys are the same type of running back, of course. So that kind of affects things a little bit. But Antonio Gibson last year, he only had 149 attempts and ran for just under 550. Latavius Murray, he had a few more carries with 171 and ran for a little over 700, or just under 750, I mean. So it's kind of in line with what you're seeing for guys who aren't, you know, the main guy. And he's when he does get healthy and get back out there, he's going to be pushing to be the main guy at the very least. He's probably going to be the number two guy because they have high, super high expectations for him this season. Once he gets back from being hurt, the question is what type of player is he going to be? Because the injury that he got is such a serious injury for running backs. That is where I question it. It's not about the amount of time that he's going to miss or anything, because that's kind of in line. This is, those are not great, but decent enough numbers for a number two running back. Um, for for Javante Williams, but how much time is he going to miss? Okay, like um, Cordell Patterson, he's another guy. He had I think like 144 carries last year, and just picked up just under 700. And Cordell Patterson is a lot more of an explosive running back than Javante Williams is, mm-hmm. but he missed three games, and and of course the bye week as well. Um, so how much time is he going to miss? Not a super big deal. Will he be the same? I don't think he will be. I think once he does get back, it's going to be a slow start to getting him back up there because every player, when they get back from injury, they're typically outside of very, very few rare exceptions. Mm -hmm. There's always that slow start. There's always that fear of getting hurt again, tweaking your knee wrong, um, things like that. Von Miller had it like Von Miller had that issue. Adrian Peterson even talked about that issue, Mm -hmm. even though he had a much faster start with that huge season he had. Mm-hmm. He still was able, had that fear of tweaking his knee wrong. So he was a little bit more hesitant with certain things. 
And once he got more comfortable is when he really started to explode a lot more. So what's his comfort level going to be when he comes back from the injury? That's what makes me question these, this, this projection the most. Yeah. I, that's, that's the biggest thing. And coming off of that major injury, this is a good comment. We'll grab this here in a second. Um, That's the biggest thing is the the players you listed off Cordero Patterson. He missed three games last season and and had a a great year, 144 carries for however much you said. I I didn't catch the number Um, that, you know, uh, Antonio Gibson players like that, like that secondary runner in, uh, in an offense, but they're, those guys weren't coming off of three torn knee ligaments out of four in a major devastating knee injury. Like Adrian Peterson as Dylan Von Arch here says, Adrian Peterson was an anomaly. Like he's a literally a mm-hmm. scientific recovery from injury anomaly to tear your knee up the way that he did, come back and rush for two thousand yards, win the MVP of the NFL. That's not going to happen right. with Javante Williams. Like you're talking one in a million chance on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not trying to dog Javante Williams and his work ethic or his ability to come back from a major injury. But the sample size of players that have this kind of injury that don't have any success for the first season they come back compared to the players that do have success is like 999,000 to one, like one in a million. Like, so I, I just, I struggle with the idea that Javante is going to come out here and have close to 200 touches this season to get to those kind of numbers. Oh, it's not close to 200. But what just no, 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 like 200 total touches. We're we're talking 142 attempts and uh, so 175, let's, let's call 175 total touches this season that's that's a lot of touches for a guy that's coming off of a major major knee injury i don't project that at all like yeah and i and i i hate to be that debbie downer the wet blanket on the party here but i i I need a sample size that tells me that something's gonna happen better than what we've seen for nine hundred ninety nine thousand players yeah and just real quick to talk about Adrian Peterson and how big of an anomaly he was. I mean, I've talked about his slow start. Five of his first six games, he didn't break 100 yards. Mm-hmm. And then all but one of the remaining games, he broke 100 with multiple games over 200. Mm-hmm. We're not going to get Javante Williams. He's going to have that slow start. Every running back does with that knee injury. Yep. And I'm with you. I mean, like, dep- I, I, I have a hard time. I, I think the touches are fine because I think they'll want to try to help him bounce back that they're going to try to force feed him touches a little bit. Um, I, I, I probably have him probably about 150 to 160 total touches. So it's a little bit more. It's a yardage. He already had, didn't have the best burst in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And now you're losing, you know, you, you tore the ACL, you partially torn a couple other ligaments. Like there's that serious structure damage to the knee. That just is going to lower your burst a little bit more. And with him coming back from the injury, is it going? Is he going to want to be as big of a bruising back as he was, fighting through contact as much, or will he go down easier? So I'm with you. I do have a lot of questions about about the injury. I just don't think that my question is not with the total touches. My question is with the yardage. I, I have a hard time seeing him get that just because of he, he's not going to come back. He's not going to be 100 right away, and it's going to take time. But I, I guess my my bigger question is how long does he miss? And if you're getting him close to 175 total touches, you're like if he misses seven eight games, like that's that's the big thing. If he I don't think he's going to miss seven or eight. I, I'm I that's that's where you and I kind of differentiate on this. I'm just not. I sure did on that three months ago. I would have been with you. Now with things that are going around, things that are coming about his injury, 
he seems on track to be ready week five. And and that's that's a fair point. You do bring up a very valid point. The fact that he's out there running routes in in OTAs mm-hmm. and and just getting some work in a little bit of seven on seven drills. He's, Let's he's he's definitely above schedule oh. based on my estimation of where he suffered his injury and where it was supposed to be. And this was actually kind of the con- what I was getting at too. Harold Jean, Twitter doctors are surprisingly high on Javante Williams' range of motion abilities and said he looks to be months ahead of schedule and compared to J.K. Dobbins and how he's ahead of him. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot about his injury coming back, and they're saying that some of them are saying that he could be ready by the season's go. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't fully, I don't see that personally, but I'm not, I'm not a doctor here. Um, but they're all talking about how he's two, three, four months ahead of schedule. That mm-hmm. he shouldn't have been if he was on schedule, he would have only been starting to running route, start running routes about some point in training camp, like a week into training camp or so in the mm-hmm. preseason. So it, it's. Again, it's just tough for it, but we got a couple super chats here. One of them uh, made us laugh. I, I don't know, James, with the five dollar donations and Raiders. I hope you all beat the brakes off of us. Hey, everyone watching, everyone listening, yes, us. We all hope we do that too. Um, you need McDaniel's gone. Y'all saw as Denver fans, high draft picks. We we screw. Need McDaniel's gone. Yeah, um, I do think it was funny that there was a large portion of the Raiders fan base, and obviously, I don't I don't know, James. You may not have been one of them. So many of them are like, he's going to be such a better coach now. He learned from it. And we're seeing him do the same exact things. Like, it's just... So the whole thing about coaches growing and developing, the number of times it actually happens compared to the number of times people say it's going to happen is like one out of like 20. It just doesn't happen all that often because the arrogance of a coach is just that it's arrogance and they they hardly ever get their ego checked or their arrogance checked or anything like that um the on the other flip side of this like it's kind of a weird position because with what mcdaniels is doing to the raiders bronco fans don't want to see him gone we want to see him continue to mess things up for y'all <laughs> this is true this is true <laughs> but for that to happen he's got to win games and he's probably got to win games in the division like it's a double-edged sword here either we beat the raiders which that's the side I'm on, just to be clear. I'd rather beat the Raiders and lose to them and keep McDaniels. But beating him is going to help lead to to him getting the axe. And like maybe they get a competent coach like after that point. So double-edged sword here. I'm just here for the the Jimmy GQ and uh, Josh McDaniels rage fight because that's like who the guy that Josh McDaniels wanted was Jimmy G. And he's going to execute the offense and do everything that that he wants him to do. But it's not going to be nearly enough to overcome for the Raiders' terrible defense. And you know what? I I hope it does implode. I hope it does implode. And the uh, Raiders fans can can eat the, the... Dirt and nasty garbage you've been stuffing down our throats for the last four years. I hope the Broncos beat them twice. I hope the, the Broncos beat the Chiefs twice. I, I picked the Broncos to beat the Raiders and the Chiefs twice every single damn year. And I'm gonna do it again this season. And I'm I'm here and James, thank you for, for jumping in on a Broncos show and being a good sport too. Like the we, we may be rivals, we may hate each other as fans, fan bases, whatever, but to come on and have some healthy conversation, man, it, thank you so much t- for you to be able to come in here and do that. I definitely appreciate that a lot. So one of the funniest things last year was the reports about McDaniels getting fired, but the Raiders couldn't do it because they couldn't afford to continue to pay him his contract and then paying mm-hmm. a new coach. Yep. Like, that that was absolutely hilarious to me. Anyways, Gary Palmer it. coming in with it. Gary Palmer coming in with another $10 donation. Thank you, Gary. We appreciate this. Um, 
I will get, probably get some flack for this, but while most will say Wilson will have an average year, I think this is a bounce back for him, and he will have a spectacular year. If he does, hey, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, I get a lot of flack because I, I make comments like this all the time, like it's what's best for the Broncos, and it is. Like I would rather see him do well and be successful and not have the Broncos having to try to find another quarterback yeah. because it's what's best for the team than you know, him not do well, having to move on, and going through everything that we've gone through hoping that we can find a quarterback to lead the team um get a lot of flack for that for because i'm playing both sides of it but it's just the way it is um the the team comes before everything for me and uh, i want to see them do well i want to see them do great things i want to see them win super bowls every single year and russell wilson being spectacular and being able to sustain that for a couple years gives them the best shot of that yeah Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Absolutely. And... You said something there that was absolutely correct. And I, first things first, let me give a big shout out to Mark. This is a, a, a new name for us. Uh, Mark Hoynack jumping in here with a $10 super chat. Nothing to say, just showing some love. But I want to show you some love here as well. Oh, here it comes. We've got the comment behind it. I think we need Dalvin Cook. He would make Russ and our whole team better. Probably three to four more wins with him, in my opinion. Let Javante uh, come back easily. This is something that is a a hot topic to me and we we kind of touched on it a little bit and as much as i like samaj p ryan as much as i like um javante williams you've got the opportunity to go out there and if he is willing to take a haircut maybe for a couple of seasons um particularly around six million dollars a season if you can go get a guy like dalvin cook who's a top five running back at the position in the nfl like let's just be honest here this is an upgrade for your team i said this multiple times Talking about the NFL draft, I'm going to go back to a conversation you and I had about Brian Branch. Uh, and I liked him being taken by the Baltimore Ravens in the first round. And I didn't give a damn about Kyle Hamilton being on that Ravens roster at the safety position. Really didn't care. Because good football players make your team better, damn it. And Dalvin Cook is a damn good football player. And that's what this Broncos team needs. They need good football players. I don't, I don't care that they have Javante Williams coming back off of a torn ACL, and we, we know that's a big question. We, I don't care that they signed Tony Jones Jr. I don't care that they have Samaj P. Ryan. If you can get a player like a Dalvin Cook to bring to this team, he is going to add to you two, maybe three wins. I don't know, three or four, one or two at least. He's going to add wins to this football team. Can you make the cost right? And that's the big question. If the cost is right, Eric, what do you think? Is is Dalvin Cook a priority to you if the cost is right? That, 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 we always come back to that. Is the, co- is the cost right? I mean, I think that every player essentially is a priority as long as the cost is right. Mm-hmm. I mean, would the Broncos have been in on um, trying to think of one of the centers who got paid this year? And as a free agent, would they have been in on him if the cost was right? Probably. Like, they were in on Mike McGlinchey because the cost was right. Even then, they were willing to overpay a little bit. They were in on Ben Powers because the cost was right. Teams, if they can fit what you want to do, you're in on everyone as long as the cost is right. And that doesn't change with Dalvin Cook. 
is Dalvin Cook the same player he was three, four years ago where he picked up, what, 31 total touchdowns between two seasons? No. I mean, he's he's had he had eight last year, I think, and then six the year before. Like, obviously, he's not quite that same player. He is still a good runner. He There are some issues with some concerns with fumbles. Like, there always have been with Dalvin Cook. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's a guy who can come in and you can let um, P. Ryan, you can let um, Williams when he's back, you can let them wear down a defense and let Cal- Dalvin Cook go out there and take advantage of it. He's that kind of back, and he's the type of back that Sean Payton has always had within his offense, and they don't have one this year. No one proven no. anyways. No. I mean, when you look at it, they only have two guys who can kind of fit that role, and they have a combined two touches in the NFL, Tyler Beatty and then Jaleel McLaughlin, an undrafted rookie out of Youngstown State. Like, so that is a huge jump in competition for McLaughlin. Um, those are those explosive backs, and that's what you need for this offense, for this running game especially, to take another um, step forward and be even better than they were. you got to have that explosive ability that can sit there and take advantage when the defense gets worn down, and they don't have it. So, yeah, Dalvin Cook, I think that he could help this team out and be a tremendous help for it and just give them another piece of the rotation because even if you do get, get Javante Williams back, even with the slow start, you don't have to feed him touches. You don't have to force him touches. You can take your time with him, which I think is what's best for him for the long term. You can still sit yep. there and use P. Ryan, and you can sit there and you know utilize Dalvin Cook. You can have this three-headed rushing attack that we've seen for multiple years always have, some, have good success in the NFL when that's the focal point of the offense. So... I'm fine with it, but again, as you said, as we talked about, and we'll talk about all the time, as long as the cost is right and the cost now, it's probably got to be three to four million because they're a little bit tight on cap after signing Frank yeah. Clark, yep. and you still have to save some money for signings during the season. Yep, and the the last time I had heard, and uh, this was reliable, I think it was Benjamin Albright or Ryan, one of the guys at KOA said that the Broncos have around $9 million in cap space right now. So you got to fit him underneath that number. And like Eric said, you know, keep some extra space available to, to bring in, you know, uh, somebody gets injured. You need a veteran to come in in camp, something like that. You've got to have at least a little bit of cap room available to go throughout the rest of the season and potentially even roll some of that forward into 2024. But back to Dalvin Cook here and something that I think is a little bit understated with his ability it, and also lines up a lot with the Sean Payton offense is Dalvin Cook's ability to catch the football out of the backfield. He has 221 total career receptions for 1,794 yards and five total touchdowns. Like this dude is a quality receiving threat coming out of the backfield. So that is something that you need to see. And while Samaj P. Ryan has shown the ability to do so, we're not talking about a player like Dalvin Cook, who was a bell cow back, a guy that did everything for the Minnesota Vikings, and he can continue to do everything for this Denver Broncos offense. Uh, Keith Brugman jumping in here saying, I'm tired of the, quote, make it easier on Russ and, quote, taking pressure off of Russ. We're paying too much. Yes and no. I I, I do want to get this out there because the – the priority for every offense is to put your players in the best position possible to succeed. It doesn't matter if you're offense or defense, making it easier on Russ means not having him throw the football 50 times a game or 40 times a game. Like Nathaniel Hackett did. It was letting Russ do the things that he actually does well, which is work off of play action, scramble around a little bit, throw the ball deep down the field. We're not talking about 
the quick timing routes of the Aaron Rodgers offense that we saw back in the Green Bay Packers. He's not Drew Brees, even though he wants to be. That is what Russell Wilson wants to do, but he's not that kind of a player. Making it easier on him means to take some responsibility away from him and allow him to be the player that he is. Taking the pressure off of Russ means letting him hand the football off, letting the offense just kind of flow through the running game, flow through the talents that he does have, and letting him be the best player that he is, that he can be at 34 years old. That is what I'm talking about by saying, make it easier on Russ. Take the pressure off of him. Don't make him be the guy passing the football like Peyton Manning that he's never going to be. He's just not going to be that guy. Eric, what do you think? Well, I mean, you're not wrong. You would want to do whatever you can to make things easier on all your players, especially the quarterback position. The less they have on their less pressure they have on their shoulders, then the what's the right term here that I'm trying to think of? Um, Accentuate your players' talents. No, that's not. But, you know, taking pressure off your quarterback, like, you could just let them out there and you could just let them go out and play the game. They don't have to overthink. They don't have to do too much. Um, and that was part of Russell Wilson's problem last year that he brought on himself. Like, he wanted to be the guy. He wanted to make all the calls, the checks. He wanted to do all that. He wanted to be the Peyton Manning. He wanted to be the Drew Brees. That's not him. So taking away from that, cutting the field in half um, with rollout plays, you know, things like that. Well, Denver did that towards the end of last season after Nathaniel Hackett got fired because they said, told basically told Wilson like what you wanted's not working. We're gonna go. We're gonna go. Gonna, we're going to go back to the basics, and we saw Russell Wilson play a little bit better. There's nothing wrong with that. It's it's a fine thing. It's what all quarterbacks do. The issue is when you pay that quarterback to be a top five quarterback, and you have to treat him like an essential rookie or a quarterback on a rookie deal with how simple you have to make everything on the field. That's where the issue is because last year when we got that, we're talking about making things easier for Wilson for the end of last season, it was high-low reads. That's all it was. You're reading the safety. Do they drop deep or do they drop low? Whichever one, you're taking one or two receivers. That was his reads. Like, that's all he had to do, and it still wasn't great. It still wasn't perfect. Like, it, it still, I mean... And perfect, obviously, you're not going to get perfect, but it wasn't what you what you expect out of the quarterback. So, to a degree, yes, you've got to do everything to make your make life easier on the quarterback, but you also don't pay your quarterback that you have to do so much for to be a like a top five quarterback. Yeah, I, and I don't disagree with anything you said there. And, and Keith, again, I'm, I'm I'm not coming at you. I'm just kind of giving my perspective on this, and you you bring up a very good point. You're, you're paying way more money than you need to. You're, you're paying for Derek Carr level production for a guy that's giving you less than that. And, and, and that's, that's a problem. And the offense, James Doso coming in here saying the offensive line was an issue. Come on. Like, yeah, it, there was an was. issue there with the offensive line. Absolutely. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to discredit that by any stretch of the imagination. And James, thank you for joining us. The first time I've seen you. So thank you for coming in and joining us on a live show. Um, but you, you, when you're the quarterback, everything flows through you regardless. Like you have to be able to identify everything that goes on in front of you. You have to identify, I've got extra, pre I've got extra pressure coming from my left-hand side. I know that we've got a blitzer coming here. I'm going to fill in and replace the, bl the blitzer, throw back behind that, and just continue to keep the offense, the offense moving. That's not a Russell Wilson type of player. He doesn't, he didn't show that. He's never shown that ability. 
his ability is yeah. to scramble around behind the line of scrimmage, work off a of play action where the offensive play calling dictates where he's supposed to go with the football. And he just delivers the ball, the, the ball accurately, makes some spectacular plays and just keeps the offense rolling. You, you got to understand your player here. You, you definitely have to understand that. And, understanding what Russell Wilson is, what he did back in Seattle, moving that forward within this Sean Payton offense is the critical thing that we all are speculating on right now. So that that's the thing. Phil McLaughlin jumping in here again, saying, uh, good evening, Lance, Eric, and Deacon Scott. I have X factors for a winning season. One, consistency on special teams, the offense, and limiting penalties and turnovers. Hashtag Buckham, hashtag MHH for life. And Phil, this is a great comment, especially the very first part of this is consistency on special teams. And Eric, I got to get your thoughts on this because um, Thomas Hall actually wrote about this earlier. Uh, I believe it was today. His article dropped uh, three rising questions coming into the uh, into training camp. And his number two question was, who's going to be the, the kicker for this team? And consistency is also on the kicking game, being able to make field goals, kick the ball out of bounds, you know, punting, uh, directional punting, situational kicking, making long field goals. Special teams has been the bane of the Broncos' existence for 28 years, it seems like. It's been forever. This is the one, and Phil, I'm glad you, you tagged on this immediately, consistency on special teams, man. What does that mean to you moving forward? Well, I mean, I would argue that they don't need consistency just on special teams. They need consistency on offense and defense. Mm -hmm. Even the defense last year, they had their highs and lows. But consistency is that you're just on special teams is that, you know, your your punter is not having these every third punt isn't a complete wobbler of a punt um, that you're basically maybe one out of 10 punts is a wobbler. Um, Being consistent with the coverage, having guys who are consistently playing their proper contain in in punt coverage or kick coverage whatever um guys playing their pro- uh, proper zones when blocking on punt returns or kick returns whatever just having all that that is all part of the consistency but before we get to the offense to the wide receivers and tight ends here to finish this out i want to go back to the whole offensive line comment um so last year not not saying the offensive line was great but a lot of the issues are um, exaggerated when it comes to the passing game because of Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russell Wilson was fifth in quarterback res- quarterback percentage responsibility on pressures. He was fifth. Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen were above them. What do those three guys have? They An extraordinary, the- extraordinary ability to get out of the quarterback, get out of pressure, and use their legs and be mobile. Justin Fields, obviously, he's still working as a quarterback. But he had some magical plays escaping sacks. And then when you switch it to offensive line, the percentage of responsibility on the offensive line, the Broncos, 16th. They were 16th out of 19. Mm-hmm. A lot with 75.7% of their pressures. The only ones that were lower, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Fields, and Jalen Hurts. Because the uh, the percentage, you know, there's also including tight ends and then running backs and receivers as well. Or things like that. All of that is taken into account in this. Offensive line was an issue. The running lack of running game was an issue. Everything was an issue with the Broncos offense last year. It wasn't just one thing. And I'm tired of people saying, oh, it was just Hackett. Oh, it was just Wilson. Oh, it was just, um, just the, the offensive, offensive line. line. Just the lack of running game. It was the injuries. Like, I know I have done a lot of blame on Russell Wilson. But 
I don't think that it was all Russell Wilson. And if I've ever come across that way, I do apologize. It is often just a thing of, I see a comment of everybody, somebody's just slamming Nathaniel Hackett. Well, it wasn't just Hackett. It was Wilson. Wilson was the one who was behind the offense the most. But anyways, moving on to wide receivers. I was a little surprised. I'm not going to go and break down every single stat um, for all these guys. Not a single thousand yard receiver. Jerry Judy yeah. comes the close at 987. I don't fully disagree just because of the fact that this is going to be a running offense. I fully expect them to be in the top three in total rushing attempts after the season's over. I don't disagree with you. And I, I don't disagree with Mike Clay on this. I I, I think Judy's going to get a little bit more of the, uh, the bulk in the, in the target share. And that is exactly mirrored in Mike Clay's projection saying that Jerry Judy's going to get 106 total targets with, 66 receptions, which is an absolute atrocious catch rate, but six touchdowns. Cortland Sutton, 95 total targets, uh, 57 receptions, 768 yards, six touchdowns, and then down and down from there. Um, I think that this is going to be a much more efficient offense than that. 106 targets for Jerry Judy is a lot, and to get 66 total receptions, that it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> like I, I think I think it's going to be a lot more than that, and and, and a big reason why is because I think that you're going to see a lot more scheme targets where Jerry Judy, like he's going to have a higher catch percentage, but the yardage is going to reflect exactly what it what Mike Clay is saying. Like you're going to be within five to ten yards of the line of scrimmage, and hopefully Jerry Judy breaks one and, and takes it to the house, where he's going to get you know a lot of four and five yard receptions. The, the big thing with me is I don't know that you're going to see that many targets to wide receivers in total. I think that you're going to see a lot more targets to the tight ends and Tim Patrick getting 45 targets. Marvin Mims getting what? Uh, let me pull it back, back up here. Uh, Marvin Mims getting 31 targets. I, I think that number's high. I, I, I think that that's um, out of the expectation for me. I think he's going to get a hundred total snaps on, on offense period right around 50 to, uh, 75 to 100 total snaps on offense is Marvin Mims. You're going to give him 31 targets out of that. I don't think that that's actually within the realm of possibility. Not with Jerry Judy, not with Colton Sutton, not with Tim Patrick. You're not going to get that. KJ Hamler only getting 10 total targets on the season. I don't think that's going to happen either. I think Marvin Mims is going to be about that KJ Hamler line. This is the one where I have the most issue with. Because I do think that they're going to try to find an area uh, or a niche where Cortland Sutton is in that Michael Thomas role. You're going to find Jerry Judy in that Emmanuel Sanders role, and they're going to spread the ball to those two guys. And then the running backs and tight ends are going to be the other focal point of this offense. That's what Sean Payton has typically always done. Two wide receivers, a running back, and a tight end. That like Those are going to be your top three target receivers in this offense. And Keith Brogman comes in. Does Russell Wilson have everything he needs to be a top five quarterback? Coach, O-line, tight ends, wide receivers. Can he live up to the contract? Now, yes. this is the thing. Go ahead. Go ahead. This is the thing for me. You're paying him like a top five quarterback. He doesn't shouldn't need all of that. And that goes into the whole thing of helping him. And then also having some of that responsibility fall on him. Like, yes, you want everything to be perfect for him. Great quarterbacks make everyone around him better. Russell Wilson did that a couple times there in Seattle, multiple years in Seattle. You, you kind of got to see it a little bit. Like, it's hard to have everything 
be perfect for a quarterback. There's always going to be some sort of issue with them or some issue that pops up, and it's about them being able to rise above it and make those around them better. That's how it is to me. Going back to this, it's funny that you said that you have a hard time seeing the 66 catches on 106 targets. Last year, um, I got curious. Last year, there were three receivers who had 106 targets. One caught 64, one caught 56, one caught 69. Really? Hmm. So, and then there was one who had 107 who caught 73. Um, so, like, catch rates, I mean, some a lot of these targets are probably going to be throwaways. Like, right, yeah. The, mm-hmm. Those get counted as targets because they go to the nearest receiver. Um, I don't think the re- the leading receiver, I don't think it's going to be a tight end. I don't think it's going to be a running back. It's going to be a receiver. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I, if it's any receiver, it's going to be Jerry Judy. Because when Peyton has had that top receiver there, which hasn't been a whole lot, um, hasn't been many years there in New Orleans, the receiver was the most targeted guy. I mean, that's what they're paid to do. They are paid to be the receiver. The stats for Greg Dulcich, is he Jimmy Graham? Is he that caliber of receiver? No. So I'm not going to go off of what Jimmy Graham got. I'm going to go off with about the average of what Sean Peyton tight ends got. And that's, that's about it. And the running backs, none of these running backs are are um, Alvin Kamara. So I don't think going off of what he got is going to be great. Um, you just don't have those pieces at tight end and running back to steal a lot of targets from the receiver position. So I do think that the receiver position, the numbers are fine. Um, and again, it's great. And it's, an, it, it's fine because this offense is going to be a run-heavy offense. They're going to do a lot of easy um, outs, you know, uh, in routes, crossers. They're going to do a lot of these things to get receivers open quickly and be a lot of timing routes to get them, get them the ball and try to let them make a play afterwards. Mm-hmm. And that is something that Jerry Judy does extremely well, which is why I do think that he has a good shot of being the most targeted player on the Broncos offense. So- I think his number's fine. I think that Cortland Sutton is a little bit high and Tim Patrick's a little bit low. Marvin Mims, I think, is right there with him. And um, outside of that, it doesn't really matter because he doesn't do a whole lot of projections on who's going to make it or not. Because the bottom three receivers he has, Hamler, Hinton, and Washington, I think only one of those three make the team. Um, so, so not looking at them. but So I think that Tim Patrick and Quentin Sutton, I have a good feeling that, they're gonna be, that their stats, at least with my, what Mike Clay is projecting, will be closer if they're flipped than they are currently. So I did a, an interesting comparison a while ago. We got a, we got a new um, new face here in, in the chat as well. Jan Fitz jumping in here. And thank you, Jan, for, for joining us. We appreciate that. Um, I did an interesting comparison a while ago. What's this? Uh, Noai Plu Gaming Channel. Hello, I'm from Indonesia. Holy cow, Indonesia. What's going on? Good morning in Indonesia, and thank you for joining us. Uh, I, I hope I'm saying this right. It's uh, Nawi Plu, I think, is, is the name on that. So thank you for joining us. We appreciate that. And it shows that Mile High Huddle is not a it, – it, it, it's a it's a geographical location. Broncos country is not a state – geographical location you're getting it backwards it's not a state of being yes it's not a geographical it's, thank you for joining us from indonesia i do apologize for that anyways um i did an interesting comparison here and i want to get back to this because that's where my mind was going um based on the roles that we've seen of the players that the broncos have currently on this broncos roster uh and 
based on what we've seen with the New Orleans Saints back when Sean Payton was back there, this is the one question that I have with these projections is in the roles that these players prototypically fit based on their size, athleticism, and skill set. The one role that was the prominent receiver in the Sean Payton offense was Michael Thomas, who was a 6'3", 215-pound slant runner, big body possession receiver. And the Broncos have that guy in Cortland Sutton. Like literally their athletic measurements, their their testing, everything is like side-by-side 100% comparable. The guy that Jerry Judy prototypically compares to based on size, athleticism, athletic testing, stuff like that was Brandon Cooks. And then the guy that Tim Patrick prototypically size, athletic measurement, stuff like that compared to was Marquez Colston. That is the way that I see that this kind of playing out where Cortland Sutton has that ability to run the quick in, the quick slant, the quick dig, the quick out, stuff like that, where he's going to be the primary receiver here in this offense. And Jerry Judy is going to be the space eater, the guy that opens up the fold and takes defenders away from him. And then you have the deep guy, a guy that has a long stride, big body kind of wide receiver, and maybe even throw another wrinkle into the, into the fold with a guy like a Devere Henderson or even Emmanuel Sanders, like Marvin Mims or KJ Hamler. That's where I have a big problem with these projections. And Eric, I know that I gave you a lot of information, a lot of different names here, but am I completely out of line thinking that Cortland Sutton could be the team's leading target share guy and leading receiver this season based on the fact that he's Michael Thomas 2.0? Yes, because you're just going off the prototypes, like just on the Seisner thing. Corlin Sutton, he's not as quick with the slants in, in slants as he as Michael Thomas was. He's not that same receiver. Okay, like he the body type may be the same, but that's not his game. He is a jump ball guy. He's closer to Marquez Colston than Michael Thomas, and Tim Patrick is too. Um, they're guys that more possession type that can go get the ball, box out at the point of attack, and also too is that you're, you're projecting him into these these roles when a lot of the time these receivers they didn't play a whole lot together and so it was always who best fit what who was the best receiver that's where Sean Payton kind of adjusted his offense to still last a lot of the same of the quarterback but the focal point receiver changed and varied that's why I talked about we don't have an Alvin Kamara so I don't think the running back is going to be the top target mm-hmm. we don't have Jimmy Graham so that's not going to be the top target we have Jerry Judy and with what you whatever you want to say about him, he is the best receiver of this group at the moment. Well, I, I don't disagree with that at all. So he, with what we have seen Sean Payton do, best receiver, doesn't matter what position, you're the focal point of the offense. Well, Jerry Judy, you're right there. Talked about trading Cortland Sutton a lot. I think that's going to limit his impact. They're still going to want to be like that number two, number three guy. Um. And Jason McKeever comes in. Judy would be a pro bowler if he had a quarterback who was good at throwing quick slants. Judy is the slant guy. Mm-hmm. How quick he is, I I often make fun of him for his TikTok routes that he, you know, that he posts that take forever to get there. But on slants, he can plant and go. On in oh. routes, he can plant and go. It's the deeper routes that he kind of sits there and dances at the line a little bit. 
So if they want to be a shorter offense, make things a little bit up-tempo, make things quicker for the quarterback, get the ball out with timing and precision, like that's Jerry Judy. And by all accounts, that seems to be what they want to be doing on offense. So Jerry Judy being the top guy, that's fine with me. I'm not looking at prototypes because how often prototypes plan out or how often the prototypical comparisons work and end up working out to be the same, very not very often. Yeah. Something that we do all the time and all the time with projecting draft prospects. Who is their prototypical comparison in the NFL? How often do they reach that? Same with NFL. You change offenses as you're as you're kind of doing. You're, you're who's the prototypical guy for this and this and this. And there's nothing wrong with doing that, but you also got to factor in play style. Mm-hmm. And Colton Sutton's play style is not Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas was I can't really I can't say the actual word that I want to say here. He he wasn't the toughest guy. So he played to a more finesse style mm-hmm. of being that quick slant guy. Not saying he could, not saying he couldn't box out guys. He had plenty of catches where he did. He just preferred to be that guy who would get that instant separation and have the ball be there on time, which is why he worked so well with Drew Brees because Drew Brees did that so well. Yeah. Um, Throwing so with it's, just a matter, it's just a matter of matching it all up. And the prototypical comparisons, like th- those are great. Playstyle also has to matter here. All these guys are going to have a point in the offense. In the end, I think I do think Cortland Sun's going to be the third guy among the receivers um, with how things turn out. Just hmm. do, trying to do enough just to sit there and build up his value a little bit to get off the two day three picks that were offered for him to try to get maybe a late day two pick. Hmm. Um, try to build that value up a little bit more. And with what Clay projects, that would be good enough to do it. Right. To just build up his value just a little bit more. But again, as I said earlier, I think that the project, what I have, if you flip Tim Patrick and Clinton's on, is a little bit closer to what I have than what Clay currently has them at. That's interesting. I, I disagree with you, and we'll go into this conversation behind the scenes again. But uh, it, no matter, it, it, it's always fun to have these interesting football conversations. Michael Ronquillo jumping in here at the at the buzzer. By oh man, I did not realize we were already in an hour. This conversation flew. Uh, Michael Ronquillo jumping in here. Great show tonight, Lance and Eric on the Dove Valley Deep Divers. Go Broncos and Buckham. Thank you, Michael, for your support. As always, we definitely appreciate that. I do want to quickly though jump into the tight end conversation. I want I don't want to go into Mike Clay's stats. Um, on this one because I, I I think they're a little bit wonky here because I don't think Greg Dulcich is going to have this big of a role in the offense. I think it's going to be uh, Adam Troutman. But I do want to get your opinion here on Albert Okuebenom and the, the additions this Broncos team has had. Um, obviously, like I said, Adam Troutman brought in uh, Chris Manhurts as well. Um, they still have Greg Dulcich. Um, they, they brought in um, the fullback uh, – Burton, I believe is his name. Um, where does Albert Okuevenom stand? I mean, I talked about this a, a little bit. Um, it all depends on how many tight ends they decide to keep. If they decide to keep, you know, four running backs and a fullback, I don't think they keep four tight ends. Um, I think they'll only keep three. Uh, if they decide to keep three running backs and a fullback, then I keep think they keep four. And I think Okwebinom has a good shot of being that fourth one just because of who the other options are. Um, Nate Atkins and Tommy Hudson, like maybe one of them can beat out Okwebinom, but it's not Okwebinom right now. He's the fourth guy, and it's not really because he's done enough to cement it. Um, I do find it interesting, though, real quick, that you said mentioned about Adam Trotman being the main guy at tight end. 
the guy who has never had more than 300 yards receiving and caught more than 30 passes. The 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 reason why I said that, we got Troy jumping in here really fast at, again at the wire. Hey guys, I'm late. We'll listen later. Have a great weekend. Thank you, Troy. Love up on that German sh- or that uh, um, golden retriever. We appreciate you joining in here and thank you for joining us. The reason why I say that is the blocking aspect of this. Because I, I do think 12 personnel and blocking is going to be a big part of this offense. And that's going to limit the opportunities for Dulcich to be on the field in terms of being a receiver. And now you do have Chris Manhurts, who's going to be the, the strong side blocker in this offense. The backside blocker is still going to have to be a guy that can go out and still do the dirty work. And Greg Dulcich is not a guy that Sean Payton drafted. He's not a guy that fits this scheme in terms of the blocking scheme to begin with. He's not a great blocker at all. So that's why I think that Troutman, who has experience in the system, who is a quality blocker up front and still has the move tight end ability, is going to be the guy at the end of the season where he's, I'm not going to say like leading all tight ends in terms of receiving yards, but I think he's going to have the most targets. I I think he's going to have the most action, the most run out there. But Dulcich is going to lead the team in yards and touchdowns at the tight end position. There's a difference between productivity and opportunity. And Dulcich is going to be more productive without more opportunities here. That's where I stand we'll, on that conversation. We'll have to come up with come up with a bet. Um, one of the few times I'll actually do this. Adam Trotman does, is the third tight end in total snaps. Greg Dulcich is the clear number one guy. Hmm. Okay. okay. I mean, we talked. We've we've talked about it before. I mean, you asked in the in our group chat. You talked mentioned it. They've identified Dulcich as the Joker in this yeah. offense. Yeah. He's going to have a huge role in it. Despite the trade rumors and everything, they still they finally got to see him. And as soon as they started seeing him on the field and working with him, those tr- trade rumors went quiet. Like they just went disappeared. Okay. They see something in him. They think they could develop him. I'm not saying that you're wrong or anything like that with the need for the blocking aspect of it. Dulcich gives enough effort though. Yeah. And Jimmy Graham was a terrible blocker and yet he was still the top tight end and again not saying Greg Dulcich is that he's not but it's the fact that you have this weapon at the tight end position that can create mismatches you're going to use it and you're going to deal with the issues as a blocker because Adam Trotman well he's 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 a fine blocker He's not astronomically better than Greg Dulcich is. No, and we've no, only no. seen one. We've only seen one year of Greg Dulcich. When Adam Trotman came into the NFL, I was super high on him because I thought he would be able to develop into a really good receiving tight end, and I never thought the blocking would come around. And the blocking is much of the same as what we saw in college. So I, 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 I just don't see it with Adam Trotman. Um, especially with what how little they gave up to go get him. And he was a guy that they really did bring him in just to round out the tight end room with the third spot. Greg yeah. Dulcich is the guy. Chris Manhurts is your blocker. Adam Trotman is your back, is your third guy. He's the backup. Yeah. I I I can't wait to see it. Let, let's see what let's see what this looks like. I, I think that there's going to be a, a, a there's gonna be a big focus on the guys that have a experience in this in this system that have no. the mentality to go out there and do that i i, I think so I, that's never been sean payton's mo yeah all right but again let's uh, let's agree to disagree on this we got to get out of here thank you all for joining us on the dove valley deep divers podcast it's always a blast to go back and forth with you 
Um, honestly, like you make me learn so much, even about the, the things that I say, like they're like, I'll say something like, you know what? You're, you're right. Let me, let me retract on that a little bit, but given the, given the stuff that we've done back and forth for over and over again, I'm going to stand strong on my opinion. I think Adam Trotman is going to be a bigger player for this offense. And Greg Dulcich is we'll come up with the bet. this for a season. We'll, we'll come, come up, up with, with the bet. Uh, maybe, maybe I'll put my, uh, my Twitter name to uh, I'm wrong. Eric's right. And we'll, we'll go with that. And, and if it's, if it's the, the other way around, it's going to be, I'm wrong. Lance is right. Anyways, guys, thank you all for joining us on Dove Valley deep divers. Follow us both on Twitter by finding me at Sanderson MH or no, that's not my Twitter handle. It's at Lance S underscore MHH for Eric at Eric trickle. Also guys, we have scout behind this uh, Scott behind the scenes at scout Kennedy. Also while you're at it, please at mile high huddle. That's a great way to get in tune with what's going on with the Denver Broncos. You've got breaking news and analysis, opinion articles, film breakdowns um, a lot, just a lot of great analysis there regarding the Denver Broncos. Also, you can find that at milehighhuddle.com. Um, folks, wherever you guys are at, whether it's on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Apple podcasts, Spotify, please subscribe to mile high huddle, like every video and article you guys see. And if you love it, share it. Get it out in front of as many Broncos fans as possible because without your guys' support, we could not do what we do best, which is cover your Denver Broncos. Now, Eric, the end of the show is not quite up to par for me, but I still have to get your last opinion, man. What's up? Not much. I mean, I hope everybody has a great weekend. Um, I hope I get to sleep. You know, I had a celebrated my fifth wedding anniversary on Wednesday, yeah, and now it's the sixth. My daughter turns six next Thursday. So the long weeks continue. Um, so I am going to try to get a lot of sleep this weekend and get some articles in. I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend and stay safe out there. Yeah, absolutely. And happy anniversary to you and your lovely wife, Chelsea. Happy birthday to Bug as well. Um, good to see you. Thank you so much. And again, guys, we'll see you guys same time, same place next week. You all stay safe. Take care. Have a great rest of your weekend. And as always, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.